Welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after-party for people who need just a little bit more. We're two friends, Jason and Steph, and we aren't ready to sleep on all things pop culture. Welcome to Kick-Ons, because the party's not over. The night is young, no we're not done. Party back at ours, everybody's welcome to the kick-ons. You're welcome. Welcome to Kick-Ons, <laughs> the pop culture after party for people who want just a little more. Kia ora, Jason. Oh my god, I just don't even have time I'm for this I'm already right beaming now. from ear to ear. I literally feel so, like freaking grateful for life right now like thoughts become things yes the universe provides absolutely and not only do we have props for this episode i'm wearing pearls for the queen oh i've actually got another prop too (laughs) that involves the queen so before we introduce the queen let me tell you a little bit about her and then we'll reveal our props and just have like the most yeah. gorgeous time. also hello as well hi, Sorry, hi. how are you i'm so good how yeah, are you i'm great okay, thanks awesome. <laughs> we first fell in love with today's guest when tvnz's house of drag hit the scene since then we've been following her career and we're delighted to see her announced as a cast member on the first season of rupaul's drag race down under Her infectious personality won the hearts of viewers around the world, and she's joining us for our hundredth episode. Please welcome to Kick Ons, Anita Wigglin. Hello, Kiora. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, T. Oh, those those are lovely signs. (laughs) (laughs) We are holding up Team. Oh my God, Team Anita signs. No one has ever loved me enough to have color printing done for me. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah do you know what this was actually done um at the like government printing <gasps> center as well like this also prints the the speeches that jacinda read oh yeah <laughs> oh it's beautiful no budget was spared thank you so and congratulations <laughs> 100 episodes my gosh it's an honor to be to be on not only on your podcast but to celebrate um your 100th episode yeah, there's no one else we'd rather have. Oh. It's so true. It's so you true. stop it and keep going, please. <laughs> like twenty more minutes of compliments, and that's it. I could get used to this. Anita, how are you feeling right now? Like, let's not dwell on you know the negative, but you are living in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland. I, am. I know you're all good. I'm good. I'm really good. Um, the it's a bit of a shame, obviously, with. Oh, we're in a little bit of a lockdown at the moment, and it's a shame because I actually um I really enjoy sneezing and coughing, and um, it's really hard because you can't do that at the moment. <laughs> but you know what? It's, uh, so I think at uh, the time of recording this, I think it's like what week seven or something like that that we've been in lockdown. Um, but you know, our summer's coming. the The sky is looking so beautiful and blue. And the good thing about Auckland, we are sort of like mildly like tropical i guess subtropical so uh, the weather's good yeah. um and, and i don't know i'm i'm still excited for christmas and things like that and and um, hopefully the year's gonna be i, I reckon the, the end of the year will fly by and we'll be back to normal life before we know it we will be positive vibes yeah you know? exactly I, well, it'll be good because i really need a haircut at the moment which is great for podcasts <laughs> 
It looks great. Yeah, I think it's good a little longer on the top. Oh, thank you. know, I, I tried uh, yesterday. I was like, I was combing it, and I went to my husband. And I'm like, oh, what do you think of my 90s hairstyle? And he said, you look like Princess Diana. <laughs> and I, I wasn't mad. I was not mad at all. That's an amazing comparison. <laughs> I kind of wanted to go back to, like, baby Anita. Like, tell us your story like where did you grow up totally well I was actually I'm um I'm a sneaky kiwi in that I was actually born in England um and I lived in England till I was 10 years old um and then what happened actually uh we not many people know this because I haven't had the opportunity really to talk about it but um we lived in this place in England called Nantwich which is a tiny town and like like my primary school had about 110 people and um my parents, they um, they separated, and because the town was so small, it was like one of those gossip send centers. So my mum was like, "We need to leave this sort of village because um, it just went sort of the centre of all this unwanted attention." So it was either we moved to my grandparents and in, in England, or we moved to New Zealand. So uh, we moved over here, uh, which was great to um, to Auckland, and then um, I did all of my schooling, went to university for music, um, and then sort of got a job in sort of the music world. And it was while I was doing that, that um, I was ushering at the theatres, like a good homosexual. And, and my friend, in, <laughs> we had a, a red carpet themed Christmas party and I decided to go in drag. And um, and then the rest is history. Wow. That is a really good story. I can't believe you don't tell that too often. <laughs> Only to your therapist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, Trauma. God. Oh, this is, yeah. I thought this was my therapy session. Oh, awkward. Sorry. All Zoom calls are the same. So good. I feel like that's such a common story. People who end up being drag performers. It's just that little random party you get invited to that the inspiration hits. Totally. And all of a sudden, it's like your passion and your career. It's so true. I think also... Um... A, a lot of uh, drag performers also have some sort of background or interest in like the theatrical world, be it music or dance. And then you're right, we get the opportunity to uh, it'll be like Halloween and we'll go and, or there'll be like some little drag competition that we're like, oh, I love performing. I'll give that a go. And then it kind of takes us on to a, another journey. And then once you've started, you're like, oh, this is really fun. <laughs> Before we talk more about your life as a drag superstar, you studied music and worked in music for a while. I did. Wow. Yes. So I um I studied uh, classical trumpet of all things. So which is a, a, a ridiculous thing to get a degree in. <laughs> so I went to I actually did um in the end I did my a master's degree in Vancouver, Canada, uh, in trumpet performance, and and then I came back to New Zealand and I joined the Royal New Zealand Navy Band, um, which I played for. I was there for full-time for four years until I basically drag just got too busy and I was making a little bit more money doing drag and I enjoyed it much more because it was much more um, sort of liberating and also it wasn't sort of as regimented. So um, I, I jumped jumped over to drag and I've been doing drag full-time for about, gosh, two and a half years now. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> you have achieved so so much in two and a half years of full-time drag. Thank you. Do you feel like when you decided to, uh, like, pursue it full-time, was that a difficult decision? And when you decided to do it, do you feel like that's when things really started to fully pick up for you? Yeah, so such a good question. So um, I think all of us go through this, especially if we've gone to university and studied something, because I studied music for 
six years at uni. Uh, and then and then I sort of got my job and I was like, wow, this is everything I ever wanted. I wanted yes. to be a, a professional musician. And I did it for four years, so less time than I was studying it. And, and it was sort of that almost that guilt that you've done something for so long and that I still love music um, and that you've kind of got to, uh, and that guilt of sort of like, I've done my, this has been my whole life. And actually now I've got to realize and admit to myself, even though I still enjoy it, this isn't what I want to be doing anymore, uh, like full time. Um, and so the jump was a little bit scary into the unknown. Uh, but then I think for me in life, it's, it's, um, I, I'm such a strong believer that you, you only live once. So you've just got to kind of make the um, the most. And would you rather kind of have this stable job that uh, in COVID, I'd still be getting paid now if I was in the Navy, which would be great. But, um, <laughs> but would, I, would I be like super happy and enjoying myself? So I made the jump. And luckily for me, um, uh, my best friend and, and somebody that you'll know of heard of Ketamine, uh, she'd made the jump about, six months before me into full-time drag and she she just would tell me that as soon as you do it uh the universe will realize it'll open all the doors and that's exactly what happened um and it was yeah all able to work and just so grateful wow oh. i actually like have butterflies in my yeah, stomach yeah this is hitting us oh. <laughs> wow well i'm really happy that the universe provided for you and that like everything has been like i can't even like when you quit your job as a perform as a trumpet performer and started drag did you ever dream that your life would be where you are right now wow not at all (laughs) this year has been so crazy you know even though this year's been bad because of covid and things like that but um yeah I, i just never in my wildest dreams thought that i'd be where i am now and and i always knew that i would do um I think because I have such a passion for it and, and I enjoy it so much and I love, I'm such a, like workaholic isn't the right word because I don't feel what I do is really work. It's just so much fun, but I love, I love working. Um, and, and so I knew that I would, I would do some cool stuff in my career, but I think that the Drag Race platform was such a, an amazing stepping stone onto whatever the destination is. Uh, and, and so it's just been, yeah, now I see myself, uh, after being on RuPaul's Drag Race, which is crazy. It doesn't even feel like it happened. (laughs) Probably because I was on them for four episodes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Literally the shock of the season Uh, to this day. We'll never get over it. Never get over it. I just cannot. I'm still mad. I'm still mad at you, Ru. Do you remember what it was like the first time you laid eyes on RuPaul? Yes, it was. Um, it was so surreal because you obviously you see RuPaul on TV and you think, oh my gosh, what an amazing person. And then when you see them, when you're standing in the workroom, uh, and then you see RuPaul come through the door, like this is this is what I see on TV. It's just it, you're sort of. It's almost like you're a spectator. It doesn't ever feel like it's real. And then you're having these chats to Ru, and Ru's really nice, and and you're sort of like, oh, this is this is so weird it's like you're one of those dreams where you know you're dreaming and you're trying to wake up but you don't wake up because it's real life (laughs) it is so so the thing and you know that they say that um you shouldn't meet your idols uh the opposite was true with meeting rupaul and michelle was just um they're such amazing people and so uh they they are so as they see you on TV, uh, they, they were just so kind, so 
genuine and so and nice to work with and professional. So it was really sort of inspiring to work with uh, people like that, especially after Keita and I did House of Dragon. We were the host and we were just getting drunk all the time. It was it was nice <laughs> to see how professionals do it. <laughs> we House of Drag was we were watching season two during the, the first, first lockdown. lockdown. Mm. Oh, wow. and we were also just getting drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, drag has like really got us through a lot. Yes. So, and oh. you've been right there with us, which is kind of like crazy. Oh. So thank you. Oh my gosh, at any time. <laughs> you know, you, you look at, like for me, my some of my favorite drag performers are, uh, Bianca Del Rio and Ben De La Creme, Jinx Monsoon, and I see them, and they've influenced me so much through. Um, uh, for, for me, as a, as a viewer, they're real. They're really defined sense of character, drag character, and also their comedy and also their business sense. Especially Bianca, who just does everything. And it's funny to think that um, how they inspire me that I could inspire other people. And, and again, it feels you know it feels like oh, I'm not really with them being in inspiring anyone but it's so if i can sort of leave that mark positively on people that's amazing yeah well you do how does it feel to be a part of the like wider drag race family now oh it is so uh, it's so amazing and you think you think it would be so unique and special but then you see that they're releasing all of these like uh drag queen the drag performers who are going to drag con you're like oh i'm one of eight thousand of them (laughs) (laughs) it's so it's so cool. It's definitely got a, it's so nice to be able to consider yourself as a Rugal because it's got sort of like a, um, I guess like a, probably rightly or wrongly, like a, a level of prestige to it. But I think that, um, uh, but there's so many obviously amazing drag performers who aren't on the, the show, but um yeah, it, it feels really nice. It's nice to put on your CV, and I've got a little Wikipedia page now, which I get so excited about. <laughs> so it's just like RuPaul's Drag Race, and I, oh yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Did like someone write that for you, or you one day, one night, you're like, yeah. Let's see if this gets taken? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I tried to. Somebody wrote it for me, and I tried to edit it because um, even though it was really flattering, they've got my birth date wrong. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, oh, definitely gonna. I was like, I'll, I'll um, like edit my birthday and say that I've won a couple of Emmys and nominated for a Tony, but it never got approved. Then it's coming for the EGOT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What was the process getting ready for the show? Like, did you have much time to prepare? I think, you know, I can't, it's, it's, even though it wasn't that long ago, I can't really remember. I think it was about eight, maybe like eight weeks or so. So that was a, um, and a bit of a struggle because obviously you've got to get costume designers and, um, and things here and there and because we all know after uh, episode four of drag race down under that i didn't sew my own outfits um so <laughs> i had to get had to get, get people but there were other delays with shipping with covid and things like that so a couple of things were really to the wire and the week before uh, or like the week of going into into the show i had some like shoes arrive and some bits and pieces to finish costumes so it all worked out at the end but my gosh, it is such a it was such a race to get it all done. That was a real drag race. And then when you get there, like aside from meeting Rue, like what sort of headspace were you in? Were you like, this is it, I'm gonna do it, competitive, or because you did so well? <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I think being a competition, I'm a naturally, um, I- I'm so I'm quietly very competitive. So. Um, 
I went into the competition thinking that, oh, I really want to win this uh, and I really want to do well. But there were other things that I told myself uh, to kind of break it down each week. I would sort of hear what the challenge was and that would be sort of my focus. I want to win this one. And then no matter what happened with that one, the next week it would kind of reset the dial and I'd be like, okay, now I want to win this. I'm thinking of each uh, episode as a competition in itself. Um, And so, yeah, I really wanted to to win. but I, I just wanted to be, I, I think also, you know how on Drag Race, there's all the people are like, oh, um, this isn't me as a performer. I'm usually way more fun. Or they get really in their heads head about things. I was kind of the opposite. I was like, this is so much fun. I'm having the time of my life and I'm just going to be myself and, and be silly and stupid and, and say what I want to say and, and be nice to people. Um, and, and it kind of, yeah sort of I kind of just really enjoyed the process and have no regrets about anything apart from maybe using uh, books and cassettes for my, for my <laughs> trash work. <laughs> I still think you were robbed honestly oh thank you <laughs> but you know I think everything happens for a reason and um, who knows uh, maybe maybe I hope that they do they it's a bit of rumours, but I've heard they filmed International All-Star Season 1, so maybe yes. there'll, there'll be an opportunity to do something in the future, which might be bigger than Drag Race Down Under. Um, I, don't, I have no idea at this stage, but um, who knows? Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I really, I believe that as well. I wanted to talk about you walking into the workroom and Kita and Electra <laughs> and just that whole uh, scene where you guys are shocked that you're all there. How yes. was that? <laughs> <laughs> we were laughing. Yes. Well, obviously it, it's, it's one thing having Keita there because she's, um, I was my best friend and my business partner. Uh, we've worked together for about 10 years now. Um, so that was it's really cool to see Keita there, obviously, but also like, oh, this is awkward. Uh, we're like two best friends, and we're used to doing everything together, like hosting together, doing shows together, and now we've got to compete against each other. This will be fun. And then Electra, who was obviously on House of Drag season two, um, where we were the hosts, and she was our contestant, and like, oh, Kidoki, if she stays longer than I do, then um, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? And spoiler alert, she did, but. <laughs> but then I think at the same time, I, I feel that those positions, uh, like House of Drag, for example, Kira and I were no better than the other drag performers. We were just lucky enough to have contacts here and there that managed to make that uh, made us the host. Whereas if we were the competitors, we could have been eliminated in week one or who knows. Yeah, that's so true. I was wondering back to your relationship with Kira, like to then go and see her win and like watch the journey that she went on through the show how that was for you and yeah I just because looking at the two of you you're always such a duo you really complement each other when you're together and like I if I put it if Jason and I were in something together and I just saw the journey he went on and won I'd just be beside myself with happiness yes for sure <laughs> you know i think with Keita and i we had a thing like um whoever didn't whoever got eliminated we'd definitely be rooting for the um Keita or for the other uh yeah. to, to win and and so when she got into the finals i was oh so excited so happy because as soon as i left basically i was like okay 
I, I didn't win. So Kira's got to win now. Um, and then when she won, um, oh, it was just the best. I was in, uh, actually, I, I kind of cheated. I went to, um, as soon as it came out on TVNZ, I skipped straight to the end just oh. to see who would win. <laughs> and it's so bad. And then the reason why is because I had to prepare myself because then I went to uh, Eagle Bar in Auckland on Karanga Happy Road um, to do a viewing party of the finale. And I was like, I can't sit through this for like an hour and <laughs> have to find out who won. So, um, but then when she won, um, uh, it was just so emotional. I was like, oh, I had a few tears. Um, yeah. And then just because... It was just so nice. It made me, uh, the, the tears were basically because I was like, oh, I can't believe she won $30,000 and I got nothing. <laughs> I was just, um, I was so happy for her. And um, yeah, she, she definitely deserved to win. Yeah, so that's when good. you like flick through your wish list, just straight yeah. email, go for it, and then wait for her to um, provide. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Also, we have to talk. Wait, I'll get my other prop. Oh, is that is that Queen Elizabeth? It is Queen Elizabeth, and it says "Yes, uh, Queen." Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> we need to talk about your iconic snatch game. Like, so you get told you're going to be on RuPaul. Is the first thing you think about your snatch game character? Oh, like 100% because Snatch Game is, we, we all know Snatch Game is the episode that everybody waits for and everyone wants to see. And that is definitely a competition in itself, I feel. Um, and so, yeah, I was sort of, I think as drag performers, uh, even before we'd heard of a drag race down under, we're like, oh, if there was Snatch Game, who would I play? And, and about, I guess about a year and a half ago, I thought, Oh my gosh! I, I feel like uh, if I had to do it, I, I really because I, I was born in England, I can do kind of like English accents, and then all people are funny. I was like, who's it? Like, oh my gosh, the Queen! The Queen's got so much, so many sort of like multifaceted. She's got her family and all that sort of stuff. So many like outrageous things. I was like, this is all I want to do. So I chose the Queen, and um, I sort of started. Um, uh, sort of, I'm such a geek. I went through and looked at all the old Snatch Game uh, questions from other uh, uh, seasons, and I was like practicing wow. of like, what would the Queen say? And I'm just, oh, it was. I don't know where we got into it. You think because I did so much preparation, I'd be like feeling really confident. I was so petrified the whole time. Yeah. It's so stressful, <gasps> but it was so oh, much fun. I bet it was stressful. How did you feel about? the episode coming out and then the reaction of the whole planet of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so surreal because I love comedy so much and um, I've always done in drag. I've always done comedy. Um, but I guess I never sort of uh, labeled it as me being like a drag comedian because it's sort of, that always felt like a step too far. Um, and, and so by, by having the world sort of uh, react so positively to my to my jokes and find it funny, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is maybe this is something that I am and that I could do." And uh, I kind of was like, "Oh yeah, I got this." <laughs> so I was able to from that. Um, I, I, I have since written a solo comedy show, which I've been doing around, um, and it's kind of yeah, giving me like a new a new lease on like confidence in myself. Aww. So you come off drag race and you write a one woman show 
Yeah. Um, so it's called um, Life of a Funny Girl, uh, based on the title of my favourite movie of all time with Barbara Streisand, hashtag nose twin. Um, and it's called uh, <laughs> Funny Girl. <laughs> and it's basically like the story of my of my life from when I was born to where I am now and sort of all of the fun and crazy things. Oh, I love that. Do you play the trumpet in it? I do. I do play the trumpet. <laughs> so I thought I, in my life in my life story, I thought it was important in in my show to do to do something a little bit different because you know when you go and see a drag show, especially a comedy show, you expect it to kind of be like all kind of all funny and all kind of the same level but um but I thought it was if I was telling my life story I had to kind of be truthful with it and there were some things like in in my life that weren't so good and so I sort of talk about some of these more negative things and I played the trumpet as like a because I always found music was really um soothing and helpful especially when there's sort of like sad music and things like that and it was always you know when you're when you're feeling like a little bit down and sometimes you listen to sad songs kind of like that so I yeah. sort of incorporate that in the show and um and it's been so fun to finally put uh trumpet and drag together yeah that's amazing that's amazing <laughs> I wanted to ask just back on, I guess, being vulnerable in public. You did talk about yes. you'd like like things in your life on camera. Mm-hmm. How did that feel? Because, like, personally, I think I would find that really hard. But then if I was put in such a heightened situation, such as filming Drag Race, it would probably just all come out. Totally. It's a bit like that situation, right? Because um, for me... I'm, I'm such an open book with people. Like I love talking about everything. I love talking, as you can probably tell already. Um, <laughs> and I feel like through through life experiences, like we've all gone through some bad stuff for every person on the planet. And and I feel like sometimes we we feel that we shouldn't talk about those things, and that we it's a bad thing, so we shouldn't talk about it. We should just kind of bury it and and let it and like get it deep inside and not have, ever have to deal with it or, or acknowledge it. But I think by sharing these bad things with other people, everybody will identify with it in some way. Um, and it kind of helps them be like, oh, I also have this thing inside me that I've been kind of like hiding a little bit, don't feel so good about it. And it kind of like brings that up to the surface. And I think by acknowledging it, that's kind of where healing comes in. Oh my gosh, it sounds so, like philosophical. No. In <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but you kind of know what it is like a, a dumbed down vision but it's just kind of I, I like I think talking about talking about our experiences yeah it, it helps so many people uh, and on drag race of course um you're in such a heightened emotional environment anyway um mm. that it was uh, sort of a, a pair that environment with me talking op- being an open talker it was kind of like oh here the emotions coming out probably because I haven't <laughs> slept and I'm so nervous and I'm eating carrot sticks because I can't but I caught it <laughs> <laughs> well I think the like the most amazing thing about you is how you you are and how true to yourself you were through the show and it's just a testament oh, to you is how much people fell in love with you and we're we're along oh. for the ride <laughs> oh thank you so much i appreciate that it's just um it's always nice when you can just be yourself and and just be especially on drag race i remember so vividly um 
being in the workroom and everyone, you know, drag queens are always bitchy to each other um, and, and we're shady. And I, I don't get me wrong, I love being shady. And so especially like to my to my really good friends like Keena, we, we, we say some awful things to each other, but um, they're so much fun and hilarious. But um, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I should, like on the on the shade cams or whatever, like the, the, the um, I guess it's called the shade cam, that um, I should be shady to people and actually give sort of negative opinions. But then I thought, actually, it's not, that's not really who, who I am as a, as a, I'll say it to someone's face in a joke uh, and to, to have a laugh about things, but I don't like, um, like making people feel bad or commenting on somebody's uh, like negatives and things like that. So um yeah, it was nice that that was kind of well received because <laughs> I was a bit worried that people were like, "Oh, boring, she's just nice to everyone." <laughs> Do you think that the Drag Race Down Under filming here has lifted the profile of drag in Aotearoa? Yeah, one hundred percent. I feel like um, uh, people. I think Drag Race in itself lifted the profile of drag. But um, having a down under and a local vision has just encouraged so many people to come out and, and support drag performers, especially, I think drag used to be such a, um, like a rainbow community art form where it was, it was in clubs and it was very sort of a nighttime thing at, at like midnight, there'll be a show. And now it's so much more, um, the audience for it is uh, a lot of like um, moved into the heterosexual world a lot and, and drag queens will, will find ourselves doing uh, and drag performers um, are doing things like reading books to kids in libraries at 10 a.m. on a Sunday and, and these really cool okay. things. So, so many more people get to experience this amazing art form and also the other facets because obviously there's drag queens, but there's drag kings and all the uh, everything in between. Um, and I think it's just opening up so many amazing, so many positive things for, for the future generations. Totally. And good luck to anyone applying for season two. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. I know and and good luck at the costume making challenge, honestly. <laughs> yeah, do you have any um words of wisdom for anyone listening who might be thinking about putting in an application? Yeah, absolutely. Take um considerable cash bribes. So if you're feeling a bit rough about something, you could just say, Hey Michelle, here's fifty dollars. <laughs> like, give me some good critiques for once. I think honestly for, for drag race. Um what was really important for me, I, I see these quotes like um like the world as much as you idolize someone like Bianca Del Rio, for example, the world doesn't need another Bianca Del Rio. It needs one of her and it needs one of you. Um so I think mm. to be authentic to, to yourself and even if you're like, oh, but I feel like I'm not very, um, like for me, I was like, I don't feel like I'm very bitchy and catty and shady. Um, but then actually, I think the beauty was that I, I, I was my own person. I think so being, being your authentic self, it's, it's really important. And just having fun because at the end of the day, it's just, um, yeah, there's some money on the line and a crown and that sort of stuff, but it's just about having fun and, and giving it a go. And what an amazing thing to, to get to say you've done. Totally, totally. And they're like, no one on Drag Race has a higher profile than the other. Like, just getting onto the show, yeah. you are winning. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about Drag Race is that out of all the reality competition shows, it really feels like when you're on the show that it's your profile is already yeah heightened it's like that is the goal and 
what you do from there, it'll only enhance. Mm. It's so true. Like, you don't see Keita and me doing this podcast today, do you? Ah! <laughs> Karen for finance who? (laughs) (laughs) Karen for finance, honestly, even though uh, she eliminated me in the competition, uh, she is, I just want to say a a quick rave about her. She is one of the nicest people in the world. And when I did my solo show, uh, this is such a sweet story. I went into my dressing room and there was a huge bunch of flowers and a card and from Karen and it was just like, took us on the opening night of your show. And she, I think she felt genuinely so bad that, um, what had happened on the show and that she kind of wrote, which I was so happy for her because I thought she deserved to stay. But um, she was just like the, the biggest sweetheart. Um, and Aww. all the contestants were really, really lovely. Yeah, because I assume you must have all mainly known each other. Like I know there was a bit of a storyline about the Australian queens being like, who are you to Electra? But it seemed like yes. you all sort of had either worked together before or like interacted together online. So that must have been like really yeah. fun. It was so much fun. We had I, I worked with a, a few of them, and, and if I hadn't worked with them, I definitely knew their names and about them. Um, oh, it was it was almost like a bit of a reunion, and and so like Maxi, uh, Coco, and I. Oh my gosh, we just have so much fun together, and it's just kind of I think because you go through such an intense experience. And you create really amazing bonds with people. So we still met, like Max and I message all the time. She sends me so many inappropriate photos of things. <laughs> um, she, she sent me, she, yesterday she sent me my very own personalized cameo message out of nowhere, which was hilarious. Um, and it's just, it's just, you you kind of become part of a, there's such a, a drag family uh, in the world already, but um, it, it's such like a, it's another level when you go through something like that with people. Fully. Yeah. Can we just like talk for a moment about what it's like being a star of Cameo as well? Because that <laughs> whole line of work is just like so gorgeous to me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love Cameo so much. So, uh, but if anybody doesn't know what Cameo is, uh, it's just like personalized videos. And so they'll be like, hey, can you wish Tony a happy 50th birthday? And then I get to do like a minute or a two minute video saying the message and it is so much fun I literally filmed them uh, downstairs in my house and it's just like <laughs> me being stupid sending a personalized message and honestly especially during lockdown uh, having the opportunity to create income online is so amazing and so needed and welcome um, so it's just I love doing cameos and um, I'm available on cameo at, and you know we're going to track with <laughs> and I'll memo oh, yes. and I'll the other one there's so many <laughs> options now and I'm on them all <laughs> I actually have to say that drag performers for me are like the hardest working people in this current climate. Like I feel like there's bingo, there's online shows, like it's really amazing and everyone needs to get out and support their local drag queens virtually and in real life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um oh we're so lucky as drag performers because there are so many things we could do. We we could do a dance show we can do uh yeah bingo trivia all that sort of stuff but i think supporting anyone in the arts is such an amazing thing to do if um like a 20 dollar ticket for someone might not be very much but to an artist that's such a if you have five people that's such a great that's food for a few days or whatever it is yeah totally. so true so going from a drag performer to a business woman oh yeah <laughs> so um 
Akita and I, we, we worked together on the show Drag Wars, where we were the, the hosts. And Drag Wars is a, a monthly live show uh, where we have drag performers of all sort of um, different sort of levels. It was designed originally for baby uh, queens, kings, and everything in between to do shows and sort of get some stage time. Uh, and and that actually evolved into House of Drag, the TV show. But um, we love working together, and we soon found out that uh, our skill set was super different. I love doing the creative, the marketing side of things, and the organization and running. And Kida, um, she was really good at like the business overview and um, and sort of the emailing and all and the sales. And so we're like, oh, we work together really well. And then Kaluzzi, the drag queen dinner theater, came up for sale. Uh, the own, old owner Campbell had a meeting and, and, and Kida was working in there at the time. And I get this phone call from Kida going, oh, Anita, uh, Campbell's selling Kaluzzi. We need to buy this. And I said, we, we absolutely do. So but we basically went to the bank the next day, took out a business loan. Um, wow. And then it's been actually this year's five years we've owned Kaluzzi, which is crazy. Um, wow. And it's just, it's like, a, it's a home and it, it provides us with like our kind of weekly income and then we do our drag gigs on top so that's kind of like our full-time like office job which is so much fun and it's just the coolest place and you're now making candles um, well, actually, <laughs> i've got somebody amazing person um where's that place with the big carrot oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry i just i've just distracted myself by big carrots um, so yes she's an amazing person um inspired by i think it's the company and um, she reached out to me, actually, and said, if you ever think it. And I was like, I'm looking for somebody for a candle. So we had this collaboration. And I thought after the Queen and um, I did a Snatch Game and the dry-ass pussy joke that I needed to have a dry-ass pussy send a candle. And so <laughs> I've got into full production mode. And I'm selling them all at my um, – I was previously just selling them at my live shows. Um, but now I've started selling them online as well, which is a lot of fun. Um, so that on my Depop store and on Instagram and everywhere. Um, and it's just fun. <laughs> right. Anita Wiglet. Let's get into yes. your life of the party. Something <gasps> right now party. that you are just enjoying, loving. It's the life of, it's the party of your life? No. <laughs> oh, I'm into it. The part of my life. Um, I've actually got something. So I'm working on something at the moment, which was meant to be in like end of November, which has now been delayed to probably mid next year, but I'm so excited about it. And it hasn't really, it hasn't even been announced yet. So I thought I would take this opportunity to talk about it, even though I'm probably not meant to. Um, I'm working <laughs> on it, probably the coolest thing I've ever done in my life, which is um, a concert called Drag Orchestrated. Um, <gasps> so I've, it, it's, Amazing. it's so, so cool. So I've partnered with this amazing guy, Peter Thomas, who's a conductor. And, um, and so it's this, it's like a two hour concert probably with a live orchestra. And what they do, they basically take my favorite songs and they edit it. So like, say, um, say there's a song like by Barbara Streisand and what they'll do, they'll edit it. So they take Barbara Streisand's singing voice and they take that out of the track and then they write the orchestra part. So I'll be lip syncing like singing as Barbara and then the orchestra will be playing live. It is mind blowingly amazing. And I'll be playing the trumpet. I'm doing some dancing, and so um, that's actually going to be. I, I think um, it's 
or I think it'll be Auckland Wellington Christchurch and maybe Dunedin next year and around July ish. It's we definitely we had a plan and now it's all gone out the window with COVID. So that is uh, what life at the party is for me at the moment. Whoa, my jaw is on the floor. <laughs> I can't I'm speechless. It's such a good idea. How did, who yeah, so what cool. whoa. <laughs> was this your like yeah. little child? Did you come up with this? this no. Is <laughs> so I worked with Peter uh, so Peter was is the conductor of the Auckland Symphony Orchestra and about 10 years ago I played a solo uh, with the orchestra or one of their concerts that they did uh, and then I've always kind of kept in touch especially with all my musical contacts and things like that and then he came up with this idea uh, have you heard of Symphony the, the dance party with mm-hmm. the orchestra so he was really heavily involved in Symphony and then he came up with this idea of drag orchestrated and I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And it wasn't until he sent me the, the tracks of just the lyrics. And then I kind of imagined what it would sit like. I would be able to sing with this amazing voice, but not actually sing um, <laughs> with this live orchestra. And how amazing that would feel and how incredible it could look. Because I think the audience will forget that I'm lip syncing and it'll just be kind of like this amazing. Oh, it's just going to be like such a, a, an amazing experience. that I don't think the world's ever seen before. Wow, that is just such a good idea. This is the party of your life. <laughs> yeah, this is such the party of my life. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. Everyone needs to keep their eyes out and ears, eyes and ears peeled for the announcements of those dates. Yes. Wow. Yes. Oh my God. Now let's just take it right down. <laughs> Tell me something that. Peak too soon for you. Okay, I've got a, I've got a really good peak too soon. So, um, my husband and I, we are, um, we're some of those weird people that have like never bought anything and never had avocado on toast or coffee out. So we were able to a couple of years ago buy a little house, um, which I love, and we it's 120 years old, which I love even more, a little villa. And uh, we've been basically it was it was falling apart, so we've been renovating it and doing it up. And my husband, he's like the sort of person that's really into uh, technology. And so he would, he's the sort of person that would be like, um, like, hey, Siri, flush the toilet and wipe my bum. And he'd be like, if I don't have to do that, that he's like, he's that level of technologically advanced. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm happy to close the curtains by myself. He's like, no, we need a machine to do it. Um, so what, he, he really wanted to get, um, Apple were doing these HomePod things, like these speakers. And uh, he wanted to get another one for our TV. this weird surround sound thing. I was like, okay, you do you. And so he bought a speaker on Facebook Marketplace. Um, and he's like, mm, I think I might be getting scammed, though, because this guy, he just created a Facebook page. And, um, and like, I had to pay through this app. I'm like, okay. And so, uh, lo and behold, <laughs> he was like, hey, just wondering, wondering what this guy's on Australia. When's the speaker going to come? He's like, oh, yeah, it's going to come. I'll send through the information soon. And then, like, the next day, the profile is gone, and we were scammed $300 in lockdown. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. And I don't think we could get the money back, so that was my peak too soon. But it's uh, hopefully... Hopefully he'll get a smack bottom. <laughs> I'm sorry you got scammed, but I kind of love that he had the inkling that he was getting scammed. But did it anyway. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, really? But the good news is, even though we got scammed, um, 
he was able to, my husband was able to find a, rep- a reputable seller. And so he's got a HomePod <laughs> winging its way to New Zealand. So he got what oh he wanted. Um, oh, and somebody and somebody got $300, <laughs> which hopefully they were able to use. Maybe they gave it to charity. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe yeah. they bought a toilet that can wipe their ass for them. <laughs> Maybe. I'm just like, I'm like, damn it. I didn't get $30,000 on Drag Race and now you've taken $300. <laughs> I'm so mad I could perform with an orchestra right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I will sing about it with somebody else's voice. <laughs> that is amazing well i think it's only time for the mantra all right <gasps> 2001 to 2008 ain't a song that we hate <laughs> you missed it audience but Jason... i was conducting <laughs> this was ridiculously hard and i thought i had the best one and i was like oh you know that song Absolutely Everybody by Vanessa Amorossi? Yes. And I was like, this is, but it was 2000. I was like, damn, from the Sydney Olympics. <laughs> I think it was. I was like, so, good. so oh. uh, I did some creativity and I found one by a Kiwi artist <gasps> who's amazing. Uh, none other than Anika Moa um, uh. and Youthful, which was uh. in 2001. Classics. Uh. We did some filming. Keita and I did some filming. When she did that little... Um, like meeting documentary, like she went to interviews with Anika or something. And Keita and I yes. got to do one of those with her. And she is so much fun. Such a riot. Um, so um, yeah, it, I hope that she yeah continues to do really well. Remember when she, when she was doing like a fair go or something and she stepped in for, no, Seven Sharp with Hillary. And there's like a yeah. Hillary and Anika team. Oh, yes, those were the days. Oh, they were the days. That that to like take over television again. I would have hosted the, uh, the news as a leader as well, like a regular, <gasps> like where like fifty thousand people have died, but that's okay. We're fine. It's me and Nita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why yes. is there not drag news? That seems like the next step. <gasps> yeah, it does. Like orchestra concerts and drag news. That's what the world needs. <laughs> that's the, and that's the truth. It's so true. No, I was going <laughs> to ask the very important question. Are you watching Celebrity Treasure Island? Oh, thank you. I I started watching Celebrity Treasure Island um, and I was enjoying it. I was really enjoying it, but I kind of like fell off the bandwagon. But um, I know, which is very, very sad. But do you know what I I, I did watch Statfish was The Apprentice Aotearoa. Oh, my gosh. Sign me up. That was amazing. (laughs) I was going to say, I can see you on either of those shows. Like, we need it. We need it. That would be so much fun. Well, I really, I love doing TV so much. TV is, I don't understand it, how it works at all. There's just so many elements to it. But I love TV so much. Ever since House of Drag, um, it's just the most fun to be involved in. So I really hope to do um, to do more TV in the future. And, and who knows? House of Drag season three? Great question. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> After Drag Race Down Under, I'm not sure if, that, if they'll allow us to uh, to get drunk on camera again. <laughs> Pretend it's a TV show. True, true. Well, thank you so much for coming to celebrate our one our centenary, as you put it earlier. <gasps> Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, thank you thank so you. much. And everyone, please follow Anita on Instagram at Anita Wiglet. Buy the candles, get ticket to the tickets to the shows, go to Kaluzzi and get yourself a cameo. Get yourself a cameo. Yay! Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, 
Thank you. We will always be Team Anita. We will be. Forever Team Anita. (laughs) (laughs) That that colour photocopying again. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks, Anita. Bye.